630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Riley's going to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimos. Adarius Bowman with the TD. The steal by Connor McDavid. 99 points. Looking to make it 100. Over the line. Dish us off. Factor score. There it is. That's 100 points for Connor McDavid. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Six hours away from a regular season hockey game. Oilers and Flames to get it going tomorrow night here on 6.30. Chet will have the face-off show at 6 tomorrow. Going to be a lot of fun. Battle of Alberta to start off the season. We'll have Theo Fleury on the show a little bit later on. We'll hear some comments from Shirelli and McClellan, who both spoke today as the Oilers get ready. Anton Slepeshev, by the way, has been sent to the Bakersfield Condors. Remember, he was hurt for, well, it turned out all of the preseason. He was back ready to play Saturday against Vancouver, but then he got sick, so they want him to get a game or two in in the AHL before they bring him up to play for the Oilers. He's going to be an important guy on that right side. We'll keep an eye on the American League wildcard game tonight. Tonight, the Twins taking on the Yankees. All right, it's Inside Sports on 630, Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. You can text 630-630, phone number 780-496-0063. Tonight on the text line, we usually do this before uh, some significant event, like the Oilers season starting. Give me a uh, point total in where they finish in the Pacific Division, or a win total or something like that. To 6:30, Kelly Rudy, former NHL goaltender, now an analyst for the NHL on Rogers, back for another season on Inside Sports. Kelly, how are you doing? I'm great. You're not sick of me yet, Reed? <laughs> well, it's close. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Day one of our season, and uh, yeah, no, I'm ready. I'm uh, I'm super excited. It's, uh, I didn't. I only had one preseason game to do, and so. Uh, um, I'm ready. I'm recharged and excited about the new season and all the excitement up in Edmonton. Okay. Well, I, I thought, what's my first question for Kelly going to be? And I thought I'll just ease you in with an easy question, Kelly. So if you can just give me your Stanley Cup final winner prediction and your predictions <laughs> for all the major awards. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's easy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I'm going to say... Uh, I'm going to say that uh, Edmonton Oilers are going to win the Stanley Cup. They're going to sweep whomever in four games, and they're going to win. Every, somebody on the Oilers is going to win every major award. How's that sound? <laughs> There's a guy who knows his audience. Uh, it, it is neat, though, uh, reading some of the predictions that you do see the Oilers logo popping up as a division champion, a conference champion, and I've even seen a couple with a Stanley Cup champion. So, so that's fun that that's the type of discuss, discussion. Before, before we talk about some of that, Kelly, when you were a player, did you ever watch the preseason, you know, the preview shows? Did you ever pick up a hockey news or a local newspaper and see what the predictions were for points, standings, goalie wins? Were you ever into that, or did you just avoid it? Well, first of all, I don't think there were any preview shows when I played. Well, fair and enough. Being serious, I don't think there might have been, unless, of course, there might have been something on TSN, but um, I was in the States at the time, so I wouldn't have known it. Um, but I was a guy that uh, I did read the hockey news, and I certainly picked up every edition, and I did pick up the, uh, the, uh, the editions where they were predicting um, and rating players also. So 
yes, I was always aware of that kind of stuff. And although I don't remember any of the predictions, I do recall uh, getting mad sometimes how people rated me as goalie. So how's that? <laughs> So well, I find that interesting that you because because I talked to a couple of Oilers today who just basically said it's irrelevant. We're living it, so we have to go out and do it. So what's the point reading about it? But you you obviously didn't shy away from it. No, and, and I can tell you, I, I even know that it was very similar in the same way. He he followed everything, and uh, I was the same way. I, I just loved hockey, and I still do so much like even on an off day I still watch tons of hockey so for me I'm, I love to surround myself with uh, the game and I'm lucky because I married a, a girl from Medicine Hat that likes hockey and likes talking hockey also so it's not as though uh, uh, when I have a night off uh, I'm not allowed to turn on the hockey game or the TV and watch some sports so I'm pretty fortunate in that sense but some guys aren't I mean I talked to uh, Nick Lidstrom a number of years ago and he never watched hockey. Like, he got enough. He said he got enough just from playing and didn't feel like he ever wanted to watch much. And, and there's no right or wrong answer. It's just how I loved it. Yeah, well, that's a good point. And Lidstrom, one of the one of the greats of all time. And and you're right. Yeah. Some people, everybody, you know, they can, like you said, they can do what they want in their in their free time. So, you know, and, and Lidstrom, I don't know if he could... I don't know if watching the... If he needed any pointers, right? Like, it's not like... <laughs> I know. Lindstrom had to be like, maybe I should see what other defensemen are doing. (laughs) But isn't it funny, though? Like, to that point, like, I read an article uh, about Patrick Marlowe today, and he was talking about how he just loves to watch other players, and he tries to incorporate some of their things into his game. He says he likes to come to the rink every day and try and learn something. And so he's asking his new teammates questions and stuff. And the reason I bring up Patrick is because, as you recall, he lived with me my last year and his first year in the league, and I'm doing a sit-down interview with him on Friday that'll air on uh, Saturday night's broadcast. So I was just, just trying to get as much info about Pat as I can. That's that's awesome. I, I look forward to seeing that when you get uh, old teammates and roommates talking. That's yeah. often pretty fun. Okay, Kelly, here here's a question for you. The Oilers, I mean, look, we know things have changed over the last couple of years. They were eighth in the overall standings last year. They went to Game 7 of the second round. They had, obviously, McDavid win individual awards and, and you know, McClellan nominated, Shirelli nominated. So, you know, there, there were a lot of positives. And a lot of the discussion has been nobody takes the Oilers lightly anymore. They're not a free space on the bingo card. They'll go into a non-hockey market and it'll be a story that McDavid is there because he's one of the top guys in the league. How The expectations are clearly different. Is, is, is What's the challenge here now in being... I'm not necessarily going to call them the big dog because they haven't won anything yet, but they're a yeah. bigger dog. They do have a yeah. bit of a bullseye on them. What's the challenge to handling some of those increased expectations? Embracing it. That's really the key to it. All those great Oiler teams years ago, they loved that. They loved the pressure. And uh, I think in my time, with starting with New York, uh, they had won four consecutive Stanley Cups. They embraced the pressure. They That was a real cool group to be around because it didn't seem as though pressure affected those guys one bit. And they were able to perform at uh, their peak uh, level almost every game. And so that was cool to be around. And your expectations with the Islanders because of that time in the 80s is such a great franchise that uh, you had that uh, on top of it as well but then when I went to uh, LA it was different I think it might be a little bit what to some of the Oilers players might feel playing on a team with McDavid when you have a player of that stature like we had Gretzky you feel pressure not only to perform for the LA Kings and and help your team get to the playoffs and hopefully further 
but you really, I really felt a lot of pressure to play well for Wayne because for the same reasons that you just said, wherever you go, there's a bunch of different people coming to the game, not only to watch their team, but to watch McDavid. And so every single place we went, um, uh, it, even cities that wouldn't always sell out, it was always a sellout when Gretzky was coming to town, so we couldn't let our buddy down. And it, it was so much so um, and so intoxicating, that kind of pressure, is that even if you had a bad cold or you're fighting a bit of a flu, you felt the responsibility to sort of power through it and, and make sure that the team and Wayne wasn't embarrassed in any way. Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports at 613. Uh, by the way, uh, Minnesota Twins lead off Homer. They already re- lead the Yankees one nothing, top of the first in the AL wildcard game. Let me throw this one at you, and there, there are always question marks. I mean, the Pittsburgh Penguins have question marks, and they yeah. won two Stanley Cups in a row. When you look at the Oilers, what do you think question mark number one is? Is it depth scoring? Is it how Nugent Hopkins does? Is it Strom stepping in? Is it playing without Sekera? Is it Talbot and or Maroon and or Latestu repeating exceptional seasons? Those are all things people bring up to me. Maybe yeah. it's one of those, maybe it's something else for you. Well, for me, it's still the back end. Sekro injury, that's a, that's a real tough injury. Um, and then how will everybody else perform? I'm a big, big fan. I think I've told you this many times. I know people, if they've watched me on Hockey Night in Canada, in the playoffs in particular, and late in the season, I'm a big fan of Matt Benning. Uh, I know his family. I know how hard he's played, but he's going to be in a bigger role. So I'm uh, curious to see how he handles that of which I, I expect he's going to pass with flying colors. And so just how all those guys continue to get better and Clefbaum's going to be better. And they're going to ask for more from Larson again. I think he really proved last year what kind of player he is. Nurse, there's big expectations. I know Nick Kiprios and I had a good conversation about him and kind of where we expect him to uh, start off the season because he's such a dynamic young player. Um, Chris Russell, I'm a big fan of. So on the back end, that's, the biggest thing for me, how will they perform? Because I, I'm not too worried about the, uh, the the forwards up front. Not everybody's going to match their career year that they had last year, but that's okay as long as you're playing at uh, at his, uh, your peak performance again. But you don't have to, you know, numbers aren't necessarily an indicator if you're having a great year or not. All right, Kelly. The news out of Calgary yesterday, Yarmir Yager. Uh, and I'm not saying like, it's not that like you've been retired for 40 years, but still there. You know, I mean, the list of guys you played with, like you mentioned, Marlowe was a rookie when when <laughs> your last year. Right. So it's and I mean, Rob Brown played with <laughs> with Yager. It has some incredible stories. Um, you would have obviously faced Yager quite a bit, especially probably. Well, no, yeah. you already would have been with the Kings when he was uh, yeah. when he when he yeah. broke in. But well, you you would have played him a little bit. Just give me a sense of uh, of what it was like playing against him and how you think he can. The Flames are hoping help the help that team. Yeah. Well, first of all, the uh, the city's uh, really electric right now because of the Yager signing. Everybody's uh, really excited. There's a real cool buzz. Uh, this rumor's been going around for what a, over a month, and so it finally happened. But. Um, what I remember most is he was such a unique, special player, but he it was really uh, take a backseat to Mario, which is hard to imagine when you have that sort of talent, um, and he's not even the number one guy on the team. But uh, what we all noticed about him is his, uh, his uh, skill level, but I think it's his hockey IQ that really stood out to me and his strength. Um, he, he's just so good at protecting the puck, impossible to strip him of the puck, 
And the thing is, Marty McSorley, I remember when Marty was traded to uh, Pittsburgh and he came back to our team, and uh, we were all just sort of trying to figure out about Yager, and he said, oh, you're going to love him, Kelly. He's a great kid, an unbelievable work ethic. And now you've heard the stories, but Marty shared with me back then that uh, everybody had gone home and uh, there would be Yager coming back to the rink at 7 at night or 8 or 10 at night and, and working out in the gym doing maybe a second uh, workout of the day. So here's his commitment to the game. And I think we're just pretty darn lucky here in uh, Calgary to have him uh, for a season and show him off. Well, that's going to be fun to watch. Obviously not expected to play tomorrow, but he will get a chance of the Battle of Alberta later on in the season. Kelly, uh, thanks for coming on. We're going to be doing this once a week. I know everybody appreciates your uh, Edmonton sweep of every single trophy that can be won in hockey over the next 10 months. We'll, 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 hold, you, we'll hold you to that as the season moves along, man. Have a great night. Thanks, Kyle. See ya. All right, that's Kelly Rudy. Check it in. You see him on Hockey Night in Canada. And, of course, you saw him as a fine goaltender in the NHL for several years. You'll hear him once a week here on Inside Sports. Love having him on the show. And he identifies the Oilers' defense as the uh, biggest question mark for this season, especially given that they're going to have uh, not have Andre Secker in the lineup for... You know, probably at least the first third of the year, maybe as long as halfway through. You can text your Oilers predictions to 630-630 in terms of how they finish point total, win total, where they are in the division. We will get to some of those as we roll along. Theo Fleury is going to check in a little bit later. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 630 Chat. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, Eskimos with a bit of a longer stretch between games. They will play Monday at Montreal. We'll have it for you on 630 Chad. 10.30 in the morning for the countdown to kickoff. The game will start at noon, taking on the struggling Montreal Alouettes, and hey, the Eskimos have been struggling too, but the Owls are, are really in a world of hurt, and Monday will be fun. Holiday Monday, we'll have the Eskimos in the afternoon, we'll have the Oilers in the evening, we have the Oilers uh, home opener tomorrow, their game in Vancouver on Saturday. We got you covered here on 6.30. Chad, 3-0 Twins in the top of the first. They're still batting in the wildcard game visiting the New York Yankees. The NL game will be tomorrow, Colorado taking on Arizona. All right, you can text 630-630. Jack Eichel, by the way, drafted second to McDavid in 2015. He gets an extension that will kick in next season, eight years, $80 million. Had 57 points last year in 61 games. Pretty darn good, almost a point a game for the young American star. Oh, I should mention this, uh, too, because we had him on the show on Friday. Were you working Friday, Kellen? No, you were away Friday. Uh, Ed Ilnicki, you know who that is, running back for the Golden Bears. Right. Had a massive game as they won in Manitoba. I got my stats written down here somewhere. Uh, he is one of the three stars of the week in Canada West for his huge game uh, against Manitoba. Where are all my numbers? But he had something like... Uh, Almost, he had over 300 yards combined from scrimmage as the Bears got in the win column. So that's pretty cool. All right, 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. I got some Oilers predictions rolling into the text line. Uh, RCN says the Oilers will have less than 103 points but more than seven playoff wins, which is an interesting debate about this team. They may not have quite as good a regular season, but they may be better equipped by the time we get there to go deep in the playoffs. 
And maybe this is the year Peter Shirelli adds somebody. I mean, look, here, here's here's the great thing about talking hockey in this country. There's already there's already anticipation about who's going to trade for James Neal at the trade deadline, right? He'd, that'd be, he'd be a heck of an addition to the Oilers if, they, if they're still looking for a shooter as they move along deeper into the season. The Big L says, read the fact that Yager is still playing is a phenomenal story, but why would the Oilers or, frankly, any team pay him a million-plus for a year of limited contribution when they could pay less and develop a younger player who might very well contribute for years to come? The Flames are plugging holes. That is a text from the Big L. Southside Rob says, hey, Reed, great to have an NHL season starting again tomorrow night. Nice to have you and Kelly Rudy back together on the airwaves. And Southside Rob adds, it'll be an Oilers-Leafs-Stanley Cup final. Canada getting its first cup in 25 years. Enjoy the season. Uh, Southside Rob not saying who's going to win that Stanley Cup final between the Oilers and the Leafs. Oh, my goodness. This texter says, I think the Oilers will finish first in the division with a 52-22-8 record, 112 points, but they'll have the second-best record in the conference behind a Central Division team. This texter says, the Oilers will finish first in the Pacific Division, 110 points. They will beat Pittsburgh in the Stanley Cup Final. The headline will read, one dynasty to the next. Going to be fun. You can keep them coming to 6.30, Theo Fleury is coming up on the show tonight. We'll also talk to the NHL's head statistician, Bernie Ercolani, who was behind a six-year project to consolidate all the NHL stats. And when I say all the NHL stats, I literally mean all of them. Going back to the first game ever played in the league, he's going to be on as well. This is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Hey, good to have you tuning in tonight. By the way, you can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. Uh, this I got to read this text that just came in from Mark. We got a couple marks that are fairly regular textures. I'm not sure if this is one of them or not. I, okay, so here here's the thing. I don't know if this is autocorrect or the nickname that he's using. Because I'm just going to read the text. I really hope Sweet Potato isn't relegated to the third or fourth line or put in the press box if he starts to struggle. So, Kellen, I read that text, and I was like, what is he talking about? And then I hmm. realized, you know who he means? Probably Slepeshev, right? No, Sweet Potato. He's hungry? Yamamoto. Oh, there we go. <laughs> is that what fans are calling him? I... All right, and Mark has clarified it is his nickname. How many people are using that nickname? That's that's new to me. I have that, not I've, seen I've that not anywhere. That. Now I'm not out there giving nicknames to people. Yeah. So anyway. So if it's if it's an online thing, it might have been, geez, maybe even as <laughs> recent as ten minutes ago. Who knows? Uh, that's funny. I, I think if Yamamoto starts to struggle, he will go back to the Spokane Chiefs, especially if it's uh, early in the season. 
I think he will go back to the Spokane Chiefs, quite frankly, even if he plays fairly well, because I think they would prefer to have him there this season. Wow, sweet potato. Mark, you caught me off guard. Nothing wrong with that. Quickly going to read an Eskimos text. Wayne says, The Eskimos used to employ a two-quarterback system when the offense stalled. Moon and Wilkinson, Dunnigan and Ham. Why not now? Uh, Odell Willis has been invisible. All right. But, but how, many, how many current pro football teams out of the 32 in the NFL and the nine in the CFL use a two-quarterback system? Now, I'm not saying never play Franklin. You know, maybe they're at the point. I mean, I think Riley's in a bit of a slump. Still makes a lot of good plays, but he's not as good as he was. His, his second third of the season was clearly not as good as the first third, but it applies to the whole team. Um, I, I mean, look, they're... I, I, I'm almost speechless because this always comes up. Because the people who are old enough... Well, just put you know, just put uh, the other quarterback in. Used to work all the time with Moon and Wilkinson. Tom Wilkinson has been in this studio doing interviews with me and said there was a point where he realized he shouldn't be playing. Yes, he got to go into the 1981 Grey Cup because he was an experienced backup that that went in and played well and, and helped save the game. But you know, the, the teams don't do this anymore. The only thing they do is they they put in the one quarterback for the for the sneak. I mean, did did Calgary take Bo Levi Mitchell out of the Super Bowl? Did the or out of the Grey Cup? Did the Patriots take Tom? The Patriots were losing 28-3. 28-3. They were getting crushed. Did they put their backup in? No. What happened? They won the game. Maybe James Franklin will get some playing time, but coaches don't go in with the approach saying like, "Well, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna make sure this quarterback gets 17 percent of the snaps." It just, it just doesn't happen. Teams, they don't operate that way. If if, if it comes time to to play another guy, then they'll play him and let us let him finish the game. They they they're not gonna go back and forth like constantly, you know, like that's the plan week after week. Like who who does that anymore? Like that, that's that's an honest question, and if I'm sounding frustrated, it's uh, don't take it personally to that texture. But the, you know, I get asked this so often. Well, we're, yeah, it, it was 37 years ago. Moon and Wilkinson played. Like, can we can we move on, Edmonton? Like, I love this city. I love all you fans. But can we move on? Can we not rely on a romanticized strategy of the past that really probably wasn't used as commonly as you think it was? There is no such thing as a two-quarterback system. There's one quarterback on the field at a time. Tyson says one of the main players on the Oilers will get hurt and they'll miss the playoffs by six points. All right, well, a darker prediction given some of the positivity we've had. That's fine. Balance it out a little bit. Uh, one texter says it'll be the Stars against the Lightning in the Stanley Cup Final. And apparently EA Sports predicted that the Oilers will finish with 99 points, fourth in the West, make the Stanley Cup Final, lose to Tampa Bay in seven. All right, there we go. Uh, Peter Shirelli spoke to the media today and talked about the team managing the higher expectations. What I said to the to the group at the beginning of the camp was like just 
eliminate all the white noise. You know, just come bring your lunch pail every day. Do your job, and things good things will happen. Um, that's my message. My message when I talk with Todd and what we try and instill to the group uh, through their their staff is, is is really that you know simply just st stick to your job, stick to your role. We have confidence in this group. Know that you're going to be under the microscope more, and and you know just be aware of it. But make, make sure you stick to your job and, and embrace your job. You know, he said embrace your job. Kelly Rudy said that in the first half hour of the show. The Oilers have increased expectations. How do they deal with it? Kelly said the same thing. Just embrace them. Don't let them cripple you. Go out there. Yeah, we're a good team. Teams are going to challenge us. Let's rise to the occasion. Let's not shrink from it. Jesse Pugliu-Yarvi down to Bakersfield. Peter Shirelli. What I told Jesse was that look look what happened with their now. Look what happened with Leon. I mean, this and they're a year ahead of Jesse, so... He's, he was upset. Um, we had a long meeting. Um, I told him I did see a lot of improvement this year. I thought he was playing straighter lines. I thought he was pursuing the puck better. Uh, he was making more plays. Um, and But he, was, he wasn't without mistakes. And I said, you got to clean up your game a little bit and go down there and, and, and shove it up my you-know-what. So I, I wouldn't be adverse to bringing him back, but I want to I see his game cleaned up a little bit. I'm happy with the development trail he's on, and he's a big body. Uh, he's 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 learning the, the the living in this country. He's still learning the language, so um, there's a acclimatization component to this too. And uh, but we'll keep a close eye on him. You know, I love how Shirelli uh, put that. I told him to go down there and do these things and come back and shove it up by you-know-what. Th that's the interesting thing about, you know, McClellan and, and Shirelli, the the environment they've created. It's a very competitive environment. They let guys know where they stand on the pecking order. They let them know what they have to accomplish. They, they challenge them to be better. They, they will be not harshly critical of guys publicly, but if a guy has a shortcoming and isn't, and isn't doing it or has to work on something, they're free revealing that. And I think that's helped the overall attitude of the team. All right, well, I've irritated people with my talk about the uh, two-quarterback system. Wayne says, sorry, Reed, when you've lost six in a row, something has to change. And uh, Oilers Brad says, uh, no, let's just keep losing with Riley instead of trying something different. Isn't that the definition of stupidity? Well, if you think Mike Riley is the only reason the Eskimos have lost these six games, then I guess, yes, you should uh, play James Franklin, I guess, as your starter. If you think that's the only reason the Eskimos have lost. I don't. Also, Oilers Brad, when the Oilers uh, have a slump, and maybe McDavid has a dry spell, two points in five games, I want you to make sure that you text in and tell me Connor McDavid should be benched or reduced to the fourth line, because that's what you're telling me with Mike Riley. 642 Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Great stat story when we get back. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right, still the first inning in New York, and it's been an eventful one. The Twins come out and score three in the AL wildcard game, and the Yankees have just tied it. Man. Gregorius just hit a home run, so it's 3-3, bottom of the first, just one out. Twins and Yankees, AL wildcard game. Tomorrow, the NL game between Colorado and Arizona. Uh, Glenn says, hey, Reed, lighten up. Riley hasn't played well for several weeks. We have the top four receivers in the league. He's not getting the 
the ball, whatever the situation is, we're losing. Results matter. That is from Glenn. Reed says, or uh, Clint says, Reed, I agree with you on the two quarterback thing, but in comparison to the length of the season, it would be like relegating McDavid to the third or fourth line after a 27 game slide. Well, fair comparison. I was being cheeky by comparing the two sports. Okay, here's here's my question for everybody. And uh, look, I I was being argumentative about it because I felt like it. When you when you tell me that you want the Eskimos to employ a two quarterback, and, and I'll, I got a guest coming up here, so I'll get back to this later. When you tell me you want the Eskimos to employ a two quarterback system, I want you to clarify that, because to me that means quarterback A plays for a quarter and a half. Quarterback B finishes the first half. Quarterback A takes a couple series in the third quarter. Then quarterback B plays a little more. And then you decide the rest of the game based on who's playing better. Like, if, if, if you're telling me maybe, you know, maybe Franklin needs to come in the next time Riley struggles, I'm not going to argue with that. If you're telling me Franklin should start, I will argue with that. I think Riley should keep starting. But to me, a two-quarterback system means you're kind of flopping back and forth a lot. And, and I think that's insane, quite frankly. If you're telling me sometimes the starter might have to be replaced if he's having a really bad game, okay, fair enough. Those, I would still be reluctant to do that because I think your starter is the starter for a reason because he's the better quarterback. And in this case, you know, this isn't two young guys competing for the job. Riley's a lot more proven than Franklin. So that's where I'm coming from. All right. Uh, quite a project here by the stats department at the NHL. Benny Ercolani is the head statistician for the league. He's been doing it over 40 years. Benny, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Reed. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's great to have you on the show. Man, what what an incredible... Well, I'll tell you how this first started, started for me. Uh, a few days before you guys made the big announcement about the, the all the, the stats rollout, I saw that story about Rocket Richard getting an extra assist. Uh, so, I mean, this 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 was the scope of this project was, was pretty incredible, wasn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, it, like it, it took us. It was it was a six year project. We, I mean, we basically started from scratch as far as you know, uh, as far our game entry program, the, the existing program we use today. So we had to adapt. To you know, the early years of the league, uh, to, to to be able to enter this information into the program we have today, so we had to go back. We had to go game by game, date by date, create create uh, game numbers, uh, make sure the dates of the games were correct, because obviously you know it could affect you know streaks going forward. And so first it was the, it, it was entering all the uh, the dates. Uh, creating creating game numbers for those dates. Secondly, it was going back and doing the rosters and recreating all the rosters from 1917, 18 up until 87, 88. And uh, so, I mean, uh, you know, game uh, jersey numbers, game numbers, and then then we started the 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 process of um, inputting the stats. Inputting the stats. I mean, and that alone was good two three years. But the the the, the time most time consuming of this thing was 
checking and double checking and triple checking to make sure because obviously you know you know over the years you know people were doing this by hand but even with the person entering into a system i mean you could have hit the wrong number as far as a jersey is concerned and it came up uh, you know a number 8 instead of a number 6 and it would throw off an assist here or go so like i said it was it was it, it was always fact checking and double checking and that took over you know a good two and a half years before we got to you know to this point so now now it's it's all out there for the fans to enjoy and you know what Reed, that's what it's all about i mean we we with the centennial year it was a great year to you know to launch it and and for the fans uh so they can go back in history and they can go back and look at you know box scores of the games in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s etc 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 so um it, it, and, and you know what they can uh uh you know go in and uh start comparing uh, the players, you know, of the eras, of the different eras, um, uh, you know, today's player and and, and the play, players from the from the early years. Um, you know, you look at the first, I don't know, let's, let's use Wayne for example. Use first his first ten games and what he did with the Oilers, and then compare him with Connor in his first ten games with the Oilers. You you weren't able to do that before. I mean, there was nowhere you could find something like that. So now you know now it's all there for the fans to. Uh, be able to uh, go in there and do you know you know explore and, uh, and and enjoy it. I mean, like like I said, you're you're talking twenty four thousand, almost twenty four thousand games that we entered, oh, man, from nineteen seventeen to nineteen eighty seven. So so yeah, it was it was it was a pretty good project. So are, are, like how you you kind of mentioned some of the challenges with the accuracy of the record keeping and the double checking you had to do. Like, are you talking to combine uh, compiling like old paper game sheets and, and, and computerizing that in some cases? Well, yeah, well, like, we were working from old... Let me just back up for a second here. As far as when, when you, uh, you know, it's it's a credit to the former presidents, you know, like Calder, Dutton, and Campbell, because the game sheets. I, I you mentioned that you saw the the uh, the rocket assist. I, I don't know if they, if they showed the actual score sheet where the you know where the uh, disc, uh, discrepancy was, but these individuals kept these sheets like you. Uh, it, it was easy to work with them because they were so well kept, and they weren't in the bottom of a, of a basement collecting dust. They were. Uh, uh, it, so, so the, the project itself, working with from the, we were always working from the original game sheets, always from the original game sheets, because those, I mean, those are the, the records of the day. So, uh, yeah, we transport, uh, transpose the, the, the all, all the information, goal by goal, assist by assist, time of goal by time of goal, everything, uh, into a database. Okay, so how many people were doing this, Benny? Besides you. Well, uh, well, I oversaw the project. I had obviously I did some inputting, uh, but there were I, I'd say a total of um, uh, inputting. So I'd say about nine people, some part time, uh, some full time. Uh, you know, as far as uh, two individuals that uh, the last couple of years who went through. I mean, to do all the cross checking. Um, a lot of uh, when I, and just to go back to uh, you know the fact checking we used obviously historians from the different teams too like the Canadians and the Rangers obviously with more games you know for the original six but we uh, we, we used people uh, to, to cross check with, with with their records um, uh, we also uh, you know Bob Duff I don't know if you know Bob was is a writer in Windsor and he was he's a hockey historian so we we used different hockey historians to help compile this information too so we you know we'd have it accurate 
Okay, so Benny, I, I got to ask. I mean, first of all, this project is incredible, and I started looking at stuff on the website. And you almost have to stop yourself so you don't spend your whole day <laughs> going through stuff there. Well, you're right. You could do. Right. <laughs> I still do that, by the way. <laughs> so, and that's the cool thing because how, tell people how long you've been with the NHL and how you possibly become an NHL statistician. Because there's probably some young people listening and thinking like, hey, that's a pretty cool job. <laughs> well, I started in the league in 1976, and uh, I, Mr. Campbell was uh, still president at the time. I, I applied for, actually, it was Miss Brian O'Neill at the time, who was the uh, uh, vice president with the league, and Ron Andrews, and they were looking for someone uh, in the stats department, and uh, you know, I basically interviewed for the job, and uh, you know, I got, I was fortunate enough to get in, um, and 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 start in the research department because there was a, you know to do research and things like that, and and uh, from there I went on to become takeover from Ron Andrews, who was my, my mentor and also my one of my very very good friends, uh, and and I learned a lot from him, and uh, basically that's how I got into the league. Well, so what were what were you before that? Like, were you just like a straight out of school? Or I was actually work. I was actually working in banking for a while. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was a banker. I worked in banking for a bit, and then I, uh, you know, I was like, uh, um, and so I, I decided, you know what, I want to change something. So I uh, applied this. I I had heard about this job, and I applied for it, and I got in. Okay. One last. So, so I've had numbers involved. So. Well, one last one for you, Benny. What's the best mm-hmm. part of your job? The best part of my job is watching the games. That's really the best part. I mean, because I get a lot of things ready for the games, uh, uh, you know, pre-game and post-game. Well, that's a lot of part of my job after the game and doing the statistics. But the best part of my job is being able to be able to watch the games. Because first and foremost, I'm a really big fan. And, uh, you know, that, that's the best part of my job. And it's the closest thing to in my job than, uh, you know, not playing the game, like or being on the ice, but it's the closest thing to being on the ice with the exception of, you know, the the officials and the players and all that. So to, just to be part of it every day, uh, it, it, it's, I can't tell you, it's been 41 years and I, it's like they've gone by so fast and uh, um, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Benny, thanks for telling your story and for letting you know how you and your team did this incredible stats project that people can check out on NHL.com. I know you're busy, uh, you're getting ready for the new season and there's a new team in the league, but thanks for making time for us tonight. I hope we can do something like this again. Okay, thank you. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.